Welcome! You're tuned in to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper into content, conversation, and application of Sunday Sermon at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. If you want more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered on this podcast, you can email them to info at westsidepb. Most importantly, it's all about Jesus. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon, guys and girls. We're so glad to have you in the studio today. We got Miss Nikki Mauser, our family hey, director. Hey. What up, what up? And one half of the media package, Miss yeah. Haley Murphy. Good to have you guys in. All right, so we're going to start us off with some questions. This is going to be kind of personality revealing here. Uh-oh. <laughs> A little bit. Not okay. too bad. Would you rather work 80 hours one week to have the next week off? Or would you rather work 40 hours for the next two weeks? Okay, so I have unique perspective because my husband works for the railroad. Sure. So Rick lives this life kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my son works. Yeah. You know, so they both have schedules. When they're at work, they're at work. But when they're home, they're home. Sure. I do see the plus side of that. That being said, yeah. in my line of work, I work the 40. Yeah, right over the two. Yeah. Because I feel like you would have to say, okay, I'm not going to exist this week. Yeah. I'm gone. I'm working 80 hours. I can get to it next week, but then the next week gets so piled up Mm -hmm. because of that. But I would also not like to be stuck in the, I'm doing 40 hours for the two weeks. So man, that's a tough, what what about you? Yeah. I'm 40 hours, two weeks. We have to have some sort of rhythm for me to bend the rhythm to make my life work. Okay. All right. But I think it's very telling as to what your profession is. Yeah. Like both of my guys travel. They can't, they don't do their jobs around here. Sure. They're not dealing with the public, either yeah. one of them. They have co workers in unique settings. Could you imagine asking a teacher? They would go, ha! We already do 80 hours right? a week. That's what I, <laughs> you know, like, like I think yeah. think of John in work mode and then John in summer mode. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't do that and then switch back. Yeah, switch back. Okay, here's number two. Would you rather be the CEO of the company, Buck Stops With You, or one of the executives? So think three or four executives. You're high up. You're part of like an executive board. Or are you CEO, Buck Stops With You, chief executive operator? I really wish I could whistle better because I'd be like, doot, 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 doot. Right? Which one? I mean, I would, I would just not, I would probably I'm, say CEO. You're a CEO. So there yeah, you go. I'm yeah. not worried about you. There you I'm go. I'm intrigued by Nikki. I'm yeah. going to go CEO. Okay. I, I, I see the both. Sure. Um, but, and I play well with others, but I think in children's ministry, like the buck stops with me and I'm okay with that. I like it. Yeah. It's good. I got a great team. Like my executives are amazeballs. Right. I like it. I think... I am made to be at the four-level executive. I think that is what I am designed for. Okay. Though I think sometimes I daydream about being the CEO. Yeah, and I mean, I would <laughs> say that at, at, at your workspace, you're definitely yeah. involved at the CEO level for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, that's good. We All wear right. multiple hats. It's hard yes. to just be a blanket. Yeah, but he's asking what you would prefer, not sure. what you're doing. Total opinion. Yeah. Total free opinion. Not even here. where you're at right now. Yep. All right, here's number three. And I think this is good. Would you rather do something you love and make 
just enough money to get by? Or would you rather do something you hate every day but make millions of dollars? This one's easy. I feel like I've done both minus the millions of dollars. (laughs) (laughs) So you haven't. So you haven't done this then at all. Because I feel like millions of dollars completely changes the game. I don't know. I don't even know what I would do with millions of dollars, so I'd still wear my Walmart clothes. Yeah. yeah. I have a follow <laughs> see, I have a follow-up question. I would like to know duration of time. Oh. Are, are we talking like 30, 40 years? I here? think it's forever. Yeah. Because then everybody tough. would do it for a short period of time. Yeah. Oh, or, or I, I mean, could just commit for a little bit, make some millions years? and dip out. Are you saying twenty years or are you saying forty years? I'm thinking like that's your life career. Yeah. Okay. I, I I think I would lose my family. I would lose everyone if I did something I hated because mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, we would have billions and yeah, that would be great. But I just think my wife would hate me. My kids would hate me because yeah. I would be miserable. Yeah. I would be so miserable. So, but th- we would not be unstressed on just the skirting <laughs> as well. Yeah. So what about you guys? I'm doing what I love. Yeah. Like uh, that for me was easy. No brainer. I immediately went to like long-term life career. I've had bad jobs. I'm not doing that again. Mm. I don't. I don't want to. Okay. Yeah, Haley? I think do what you yeah. like, especially because it says like you're still making it. You're not. Yeah, you're not. You haven't gone below to where you're like, and now I have to sell my plasma. Yeah. So. Right, which I did in college. Yep. Did you really? Columbia, Missouri, man. They've oh, got wow. a. Oh, dude, there was a line. I mean, there was a line every Saturday, so you had to get up early to get there, which was not good because it was a Saturday. Yeah. So, um, but. I learned, because then I had a buddy that worked at the plasma place, what they sell that plasma for, no wonder they're paying people $100 a pop. So it's nuts. They sell it for tens of thousands of dollars a bag. All right, last one. This one's good. (laughs) I just wanted to do another one. Would you rather have a constant supply of the world's best coffee or a constant supply of the best snacks. Snacks. I can have bad coffee. I have it every set. Yeah, I won't <laughs> say. Uh, like, we can have bad coffee. You can dress that up, but snacks yeah. are, man, snacks are life. Snacks get me through the day sometimes. Yeah. I daydream about snacks. Yeah. Because you're, co- I mean, you're a coffee drinker, man. <laughs> I Nate. am. I yeah. am. And I'm over here going, I don't know if it's the world's best coffee. I don't need the food because I've got enough caffeine going okay. through See, my that's where also, I think that's where I would default to. I'm I would be just, so busy and so wired. Yeah. I wouldn't eat anything. Then I would get queasy and need to eat something. I'm throwing this out there. Is our palate with where we live and what we currently take in ready for the world's best coffee? What do well, you mean? No. You mean queso, funnel cakes, and Dunkin' Donuts palates aren't ready for the world's <laughs> I like best the coffee? Mean. I'm over here going, my sonic daily drink addiction right. is not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm refined. I'm drinking a large iced coffee from McDonald's and bragging that it's yeah. 279 right now. I'm You've been working saying, on that all day, by the way. Yeah. And you have so little study. of it drank. It's, Haley, guys, Haley walked into staff today at 930 <laughs> yeah. with that thing full and moisture on the outside because it was cold. It is And, and we are well into the day and maybe there is, maybe she's drank a quarter of it. Yeah. I'm just saying when I go to Starbucks and I get my venti iced white chocolate mocha with no whipped cream, yeah. oat milk, add brown sugar, I drink that in 2.5 seconds sure. and I've spent $9. Yeah. 
but this coffee with two Splendas, yeah. I'm going to make this last all day. It's good. That's funny. <laughs> so we I just saw- started ahead, doing some stuff in my house, like working on ourselves. Um, and it's inspired by like the 75 hard, medium, soft stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are, hey, is anybody taking a cold shower in the morning? That's one of them. That oh. is one of them. Yeah, no, yeah. I've not done that No, no, no. That that's supposed to be like Invigorating. A, a shock cold shower resets your nervous system. And like the, the studies behind it are breathtaking of the amount of people who feel better, don't get sick. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But go there's, ahead. There's ice bath things that yep. fall Say into this. Same thing about a cold glass of water instead of coffee. Yeah. But I can't live with those people. Well, that's part of this is I need to make choices and decisions that I can live with long term because I can, again, you can do anything for a little bit. Sure. I live by that motto. Not if you're an addict, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but my coffee. It's just a little, little bit. Yeah. It's, it's a little, little cocaine. It's a little, just a little bit. Sure. My coffee and diet ginger ale addiction are fierce. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. My gin- I feel like that's a fancy drink. It's my diet so ginger good, ale. Though. Yeah. Oh, it's I like, go in phases of it and then I have to stop. Yeah. Well, that when oh, I'm. I am not a. Blech. Slurping down like four and five of them suckers a day. I'm like, mm. water? No. So now I'm doing the one coffee and one soda a day. Everything else is water. Okay, but what is one coffee, one 32 ounce coffee? Sure. Okay, some days. That's sure. my Sunday. That is, I'm doing kids' yeah. side. A tumbler yes. that's a five gallon bucket mm-hmm. with a handle on yes. the side of it. Yeah. That is, yeah. I read some bad really news good. this morning that um, Starbucks, the pumpkin spice lot, anything pumpkin spice is going up like four or five percent. Um, so yeah. it's going to be more expensive, essentially, in that sense. I love Malachi. He said, let me send you my secret order. Sent it to me. It's like a list of 50 things to add to his pumpkin spice. And I said, I don't even want to know how much that costs. And he was like, it was $11. Oh! I don't even know if I could get through. dollars for his drink this morning. So, yes, I blasted you on I, there. <laughs> Yay, Mal. Um, I am so intimidated by... By ordering at Starbucks, like yeah. even in the drive-thru, like it gives yeah. me, and I'm not anxious most of the time, but the, I'm, I'm so going plain, to be judged by this. I'm, I, I'm mm-hmm. so plain that it throws Starbucks, Dunkin', I like the cold brew and I just get it with the cold foam, plain, that's it. Anywhere I order it, they're like, is that all? Is, do you want a scoop of ice cream with that? And I'm right, like, no. nope, nope. So awesome. Well, we want to hear your weird quirks yeah. as well. But no, <laughs> we always want you guys to know you can send in questions at info at westsidepb.org. That can be about the previous Sunday sermon. It can be random Bible questions. You can be reading the Bible this year, and maybe you're still in Leviticus. Praise God for you. Yeah. Um, and maybe you've got a question, send it in. We would love to dive in on those. So guys, we were in part three of our series, Defining Moments which I'm, I'm liking because the language is really specific. We're learning new language yeah. throughout this series. And I am hearing this language being used. Yep. Um, Courtney was even talking to our neighbor who's been attending church, and she uh, was explaining something, and she was like, and I was trying to think, oh, yeah, I'm having one of those moments. It's one of those times, and it like... It starts with a K, and I couldn't remember <laughs> it, so I love it. I think it's great. Carol syrup moment. Yeah, yeah that's it. There you go. So we defined and said a defining moment is an experience that is memorable, meaningful, and missional. Memorable, you, you realize when it's happening, you're never going to forget it. Meaningful, this is bigger than me, 
And then missional, it changes your direction in light of that. We said it's very important to know about these defining moments because the quality of our lives is dependent on how we respond to these defining moments. Um, you know, I've used the story about being at a funeral and talking. I mean, I've, I do a lot of funerals. And what is said at a funeral, if you were to s- summarize it, is the quality or lack of quality of how someone responded to defining moments in their lives. We said that the Bible actually uses this language. The word time in the scriptures, there's two words. The first one's chronos, where we get chronological from. This is tick-tock, tick-tock. This is seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years. Chronological time, undefeated. But that is not the language that the Bible uses and specifically that Jesus uses in his very first sermon in Mark's gospel. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. That word time is the word kairos, and kairos is God's timing in our time. Super significant. And then we kind of, to even narrow the language down more, said that, you know, to help us with this, there's kind of like five types of kairos moments. There's the brick wall, everything changes, my life stops. It's like running into a brick wall. There's the speed bump, you know, where you maybe keep having it, it's repeated. Then there's the mirror moment where you see yourself or something about yourself in a conversation or interaction with someone. Then there's the vision, like, oh, I get it. This is why this didn't work out, and I was worried about this. Now I see this. And then there's the last one that I call the smile moment, right, where you're just happy. It's joyful. It's good. It's awesome. And I opened the sermon by talking about a Kairos moment that I had earlier that week. Yeah. I was mowing my lawn, even listening to worship music, like tuned in. I love mowing my lawn. It's like therapy. Love getting lines in the yard. And then super prideful and ego. I like my lawn to look better than my neighbors. Okay. I said it. I said it. One of the greatest compliments you can ever give me is drove by your house. Your yard looks great. I'm going to go. You're at the top of my list. This is, (laughs) this is awesome. So I'm sitting there mowing hit a bump, my phone falls out of my pocket, bounces, goes in the front of the mower, gets sucked into the blades, and it is half a second, Mm. and that phone is in pieces. And there's a lot of stuff going through your mind, like, wow, that's really just like paper, plastic, and metal that I pay so much for, you know? There goes a lot of money. It's just unbelievable. And I was really amazed. There's, I said this on Sunday, there's a thin layer of highly compacted paper in your phone. Okay. It's it's like wax paper, mm. but it's really compacted. So when it blows up and goes through the mower, yeah. you see a ton of it everywhere. But I, you know, after going great, I just mulched my phone. That's money, this, that, or the other. I really got filled with anxiety and had a pretty big Kairos moment that all of my messages with JT were, were on that phone. Yeah, And so I was, you know, the finality of him being gone just washed over me. I was like, I'm not going to get anymore. There were, you know, just all of that stuff. Luckily went up to AT&T. They were great. I was there till like nine o'clock, but my phone was able to be backed up. I lost some messages, but the majority of it was there. Long story short, when I was driving home and, and knowing where we were going in this series, I, I just sort of had a thought that kind of 
you know, came to the top of my heart, which was, does God care about stuff like this? Right? Like it's my phone. It ruined my day. Big hassle. Brought up a lot of other stuff. Does God care about something as insignificant as me mulching my phone? I, I mean, have, have you guys ever thought about something like that before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I've you parent teenagers. Yeah. You have to be aware because you will tell your kids. And at my house, we have the five rule. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't matter in five minutes, five days, five weeks, five months, That's it's good. not going to matter in five years. It's good. So in that, I have to, I can't tell my kids these things and not believe them. Sure. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. What about you, Haley? I mean, just as like a, a new parent even or newly married mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. the things that you're like experiencing in your, yeah, is does this matter? Does this matter to me? Yeah. And then like, should it matter to me? And then the things that you are keeping from God, which sure. is just like so funny. I'm like, oh, well, I can handle this one. Yeah. Or like, he doesn't need that one. Like, <laughs> like you're tag teaming yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, well, I can take this one. Like, yeah. I you're guess, like Adam and Eve hiding in the trees in the yeah. garden. Sure. But yeah. just like the first time they've had a diaper rash of just like, do I pray about that? Or like, yeah, we have, yeah. Cream. Great. We have cream for this, you know, like we yeah. don't need to. And it's like, does he care? I don't know. Like, oh, well, every parent doesn't get sleep. So why should we go to God about not getting wow. you, like just yeah. just it's things good. like that that are so yeah. little, but not not little. little. Yeah, for know? sure. Like, so so we said this, we said there's a there's a theological framework for stuff like this. It's called uh, a big two dollar word. It's systematic theology. And what systematic theology, the word theology, theos means God, ology, the study of, theology means the study of God. And contrary to popular belief, we are all theologians, guys. Yep. Every time someone says, I think God is or is like or blank, that's a theological statement. So we pulled some verses, um, just example, Psalm 8, verses 3 through 5. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers— the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. I love, that's one of my favorite verses. It's like David is stargazing and goes, whoa, look at that, has a Kairos moment and goes, the God that created that knows my name and knows who I am. We said that it, it says in Psalm 56 that God keeps our tears in a bottle. I and that. I love that too. And then in Luke 12, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. Why even the hairs <clears throat> of your head are all numbered? Fear not, you are of more value than the sparrows. We could keep chasing this idea through the scriptures, oh, yeah. but the scriptures are pretty apparent in the fact that God is aware of of these things, right? Not and, just aware, but that He's caring about that. He that He cares about it, and so we we said this: God is all powerful. Yes, for sure. Then there's times where the scripture says that God is all personal, like the verses we just read. Or like in Psalm 8, where both of those come together. So what we did is, is, is we kind of teased this thing out, and, and we kind of put it on a matrix, and we said there's personal, God is very personal, God isn't personal, and then there is very powerful, and then God isn't very powerful. 
And in one of those quadrants is a theological concept of God, right, that, that I think we default to. Nikki, walk us through some of those quadrants and, and what those are and, and what the name is on that. Okay, so, and if you didn't listen or see the sermon, we will have this graphic yep. up as well. So in that, I mean, I want you guys to picture, you know, like across an intersection. In the powerful and personal points of God, that is God is all powerful, God is all personal, and that is God the Father. Yep, yep. When you were talking about this, I was thinking of that is how a lot of us view God in a healthy space. Sure, In a healthy space. It's not just the dad that scolds because that is the God on the flip side of that line that is not personal but is powerful, and that is God the dictator. Yep. And then below that, if God is not powerful nor personal, he's boring. Right. He's uninterested. Yeah. And then on the opposite side of that, when God is all personal but not powerful, that is a buddy. Yep. And I think all of us have had different moments where we view God incorrectly. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to those, where where do you guys, you know, where would you say that you naturally sort of fall to with maybe a default uncorrected view of God. For I think for me it's the dictator. Yeah. I would say that God is all powerful. I know that God is creator and I forget that he's personal and that he cares about me. So I think, you know, old man winter or something like that that God is all uh, powerful as a dictator in that sense. What about you guys? I think Growing up as a kid, I agree with that dictator. When yeah. you grow up a certain way in church, you see things differently. Later on in life, I went to God as a buddy. Mm, like, it's good. I really lessened his power mm. in ways that were very dangerous because when you go from legal to grace and yeah. you just swing that pendulum yeah. both ways, there is no middle ground. Yeah. And that was dangerous for me in my relationship with I God. I would say that I think society as a whole oh, ha- yeah. has taken that journey. When you look at the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I think God is dictator, you know, all of that stuff. And then now it's God is buddy. God loves you. He's never going to make you do hard things. He's never going to correct you. Like Augustine has this great quote that if you read what you like in the Gospels, or if you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't, it is not God that you believe, but yourself in that sense. So, Haley, how about you? I think um, definitely as a kid, probably dictator, Mm -hmm. even though it was always, you know, there was grace there. But I remember going to a church camp and they told me that I could pray Daddy God. (laughs) And I just remember being like, are you sure? Are you sure we can do that? Like that just seems like not holy enough. But I think when I present God to Mm. other people, it's as a buddy, Mm. which Mm. I think is. Because you're wanting to correct and you're concerned about their dictator view of God. Also, who doesn't want to buy into a friend? Like who like watering it down the gospel for Mm. what I want them to like. Yeah. Like it could be this. And I think, it's a maybe a way to get people in the door, but then that's the ultimate bait and switch of yeah. like, he's not just a friend. He is. Sure. He, he will fill all your roles. Who but is this man who's a friend of sinners, yeah, right? Yeah. But he sure. is so much more than that. Yes. And I did think like, I even felt it in church when you said it on Sunday and I don't feel that way, but when you're like, and God could be boring to some of you. I was like, sure. 
Yeah. Even if you feel that way, don't admit it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do not say that out loud. I think yeah. that's for people who are kind of either peeking over the fence or are just, you know, said, I'm ditching this thing altogether. This, none of this makes sense. None of that. Like I know science, so he's not powerful to me, like all of that stuff for but sure. I think society plays a part in us misconstruing our view of God the Father. Mm. There's so many people who don't have a father yeah. in the home 100%. or a strong father. Like, you watch any sitcom, the dad is a bumbling idiot who yep. is passive. If he's even present. If he's even there, exactly. Yeah. So that correct vision of God yeah. is poured in from so many different levels that it's easy to slip into these different quadrants of an untrue yeah. view of who God really is. Absolutely. And so we we narrowed it down even more in a very obscure Old Testament passage. And, and yeah. the passage is 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now I'm going to read it, and you're going to go, oh, that's a very obscure passage. But I think when you're hearing this train of thought, it's it makes sense as to why we would bring this up. 2 Kings chapter 6 says this. This is Elisha and the prophets. Now the son of the prophet said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and each of us get there and chop down a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he said, Go. And then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. He answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was chopping down a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, <laughs> Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick, and he threw it there and made the iron float. And he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and he took it. I love it. It's so weird, man. It's, it's, and, and, and a bit of context for our listeners. The miracle before this is one of the great miracles in the Old Testament where Nahum, this powerful warrior man, has leprosy. And Elisha makes him dip seven times in the Jordan and he's cured. And then the passage after this, Elijah is taken up into heaven, doesn't even die, and has the horses and chariots and all of that <laughs> stuff. So it's like, boom, huge miracle, boom, huge miracle, all of this stuff. And a guy breaks a borrowed tool. Yeah. And it's like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? What comes to your mind, like, immediately sticks out when you hear that passage read? Is, is it something in the passage or, or what sticks out? I heard the plop of, you know, because living around here, being on the water growing up, I mean, yeah. all of us have either sure. river or lake stories. Um, I immediately like got the image of the axe swinging and then you're going and you hear <laughs> plop yeah. and there it splashes in. And I'm like, uh oh. Yep. So that was where my, my That's brain. That's good. What about you, Haley? Well, you did use a lot of sound effects on Sunday. I did. You said, yeah. <laughs> for that and we talked about that in the crow's nest when it happened but just like it's an axe head and yeah like we have the miracle of leprosy over here and it's like another yeah. one could be made could be bought you're like yeah sure. you're gonna have to have that conversation but just like we care about a tool like that's yeah. not even a person that's not sure you and, know, and, like, and, and, and we said to set the context right iron back then very expensive 
And I love the phrase, it was borrowed. Yeah. Because like every guy in the audience was like nodding their head. And I was like, and this is why you don't let anyone borrow your tools. And everyone was like, yep, because something like this always happens, you know? Well, if you would have ran over someone else's phone. Sure. That would have been oh, just a whole nother level of devastation. Huge, man. Huge in that sense. So when we come to obscure passages like this and really any of the stories in the Old Testament, there's a little verse tucked away in the New Testament that sheds light on stuff like this. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, for whatever was written in the former days, he's referring to the Old Testament, was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So, so we can answer, man, why is this recorded? Well, it's recorded because it's useful to us. We can learn about ourselves and we can learn about God. But summarizing all the systematic theology and really kind of boiling the point of this story down, we said the big idea was we have a big God that cares about small things. Yeah. How does that sentence hit you? Peace. Hmm. That's good. Nice. That's not nice, but it is nice. nice. (laughs) Awesome. Something popped up on my laptop. That's good. My Surrey's starting to talk to people, and I don't even know why. Oh, that is wild. I mean, I just think like that's like it's comfort. It's yeah, it is comforting. I don't know if I still want to give him all the small things for him to care about, but to know that he does is it's like, okay, well, if you care about the small things, then you definitely care about the big things. Absolutely. There's not just parts of my life you want to be in. You're in everything. We've Mm. been talking about a Christian worldview and it's like you and I had a conversation about cremation and just like, it's like that never occurred to me. And you're like, yeah, like Haley, we do everything different. (laughs) Yeah. Like not just like, or there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like everything, Sure. everything has a Christian worldview to it. And so like, this makes that applicable. Like, yeah, of good. course we pray about that because God cares about everything. Of course we take that to him first because he cares about mm-hmm. absolutely everything. Yeah, I think there's a default. We think things are either too big or too small, Yeah, right, in that sense. But it was great watching. I, I, I literally felt like I could feel people connecting and going, okay, where are we going with this story? And then dropping that sentence, it was like, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Like, like that makes complete sense. Because you know? half of the congregation was like, why do we care about his tool? Yeah, oh, right. Well, God does. Oh, okay. oh it's in the Bible, <laughs> right? And so the, one of the key words is, is that God cares. And, and we said there's a theological term for this, and it's called the term provision. Provision, God's provision is a theological concept about God caring. Um, well, here's the definition. We said God's provision is his consistent and continual care for his creation. And what was interesting is, is we brought up like, guys, this really separates one of the attributes of God from the rest of other religions and Greek gods and concepts like Allah in Islam is all powerful. Yeah, Like he definitely created everything, but... Allah is not concerned in the Monday, everyday aspect of your life. That would almost be blasphemous to say. And we cross-reference that with Jesus in the New Testament when he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, God has provision, right, in your life. And then we talked about, Nikki, a couple, like three different poor responses to God's provision, saying that, okay, God does have continual care. God cares about small things, but we don't always respond that way. Well, because our worldly views bring in anxiety, saying, what if God doesn't provide? Yep. Or we become bitter and say, God didn't provide the way I wanted. Yeah. Or one that I see in a lot of myself sometimes. Sure. God got it wrong. Yeah, resentment. Yeah, and that can be... Very awful. For sure, yeah. What would be a default if, like, there's a situation coming or something's turned out or whatever it is of a Kairos moment that you look back to? Um, what is one of those three that you're maybe the most familiar with? Um, earlier when we were discussing Kairos moments a few weeks ago and I said Hurricane Katrina was one sure. of mine, um, that was one where I had some resentment building. Mm. Um, we were doing what was good for our family as a whole. I was just praying that God would reunite my family. We would all be in the same place. Yeah. And I really did not feel like what we ended up doing was what God was laying on us. Sure. Um, on the other side of that decision, it seemed a lot more difficult. Oh, it really did. Yeah, it sure. It really did. It was hard. But that was a growth and faith and a mo- it was a Kairos moment for yeah. my family looking back now and even in that time. Yeah. But I was resentful that, well, because of this, that, and the other, I now have to move away and yeah. do this and do that. That's good. And yeah. Yeah, that's so. really good. I think I would say I definitely know what anxiety is like now that mm-hmm. I'm getting older. And, you know, we said a definition of anxiety is anxiety takes a future possibility and makes it a present reality. So anxiety lives on what if. It just lives on that. But I would say that when it comes to resentment and bitterness, I mean, there have been times in my grief and processing JT that I felt like God got it wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, there's a little level of resentment there when it comes to that. And obviously understanding salvation and healing and, and, and all of those things that JT is with Jesus and God did save him. You know, even when I say, why didn't you save him? Well, he did. that's technically a wrong, yeah. qu- you know what I'm yeah. saying? But on this side of it, for sure. What about you, Haley? I think the idea of provision and that is consistent care sounds like wooing to me. Mm, nice. Like, I love that. Yeah. And then it sounds too good to be true. <laughs> you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, sure, yeah. I think I try to apply that in like marriage and other relationships. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I act when John does not meet this expectation of what I have now? Sure. And then it's like, if I'm doing that to John, I'm probably definitely doing that to Jesus. I don't yeah, know. But sure. just like, and I do think it is resentment with some bitterness that then goes, okay, well, this happened once. Yeah. So now we have anxiety about the next yeah. time. Like it's, it's almost a whole cycle and it gets, yeah. it's like, but that's just me. Like, let's go through all the emotions and then land on a healthy one two years later. Sure. And yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we said is we need to be careful because when it comes to provision, like I, 
we, we do have a big God that cares about small things. Yeah. But when it comes to you getting the front parking spot at Walmart, I, uh, you know, I don't know about that. Okay. Pray about it. You You may choose. Sure. That's great. But the context of this passage is they were doing God's will. They were building a school for the prophets, a tool broke. So they could not continue building the school. So God was like, Hey, you're stepping out in obedience. I'm going to provide for you. And so one of the sentences that we said was, I don't know if I actually said it on Sunday, where God's will guides you, his provision provides for you. Yeah. Man, that's big. Yeah. So that's God saying, you can always take me to the bank that if I tell you to do something, I will provide for it. Really quickly, have you guys experienced that in your walk with Jesus? It, like, Stepping out in obedience, not knowing what's on the other side, and boom, just seeing God provide in in a crazy, cool way. I'm now a, a children's ministry leader. Yeah. I mean, that was I not something I ever... I'm sitting here doing this podcast. I love this it. This was nothing that I ever yeah. wanted, thought sure. to want. Um and that was a lot of stepping out in faith and trusting God. And that was like multiple steps, oh, like a so journey. Many. Yeah, that's good. So I remember when Courtney was pregnant with Andy Grace and we were in our first house. It was 827 square feet. I could, that included the garage, by the way. So and Jason just basically held his arms yep, out and could touch everything. Pretty much 100%. And so we are stressed. We're not making any money. Like, what are we going to do? And we had just gotten a baby shower from church for Andy, and we had all this stuff. We had nowhere to put it. And we were just in our bedroom bawling, and we were like, okay, we'll set up a crib at the end of our bed, and we're just going to do this. Yeah. Like like here, we're in a two-bedroom house, uh, one bat. like here, here we go. We're going to do this. And literally... Two weeks later, this old couple knocked on our door because we still had the for sale sign out at our house. We were trying to sell it ourselves, And this older couple, Lloyd Steinshauer, came by. It was like measuring door for Courtney called me and was like, there's an old man here. And he's like measuring the door frames and all this stuff. And they said, hey, why don't you come by our house? We're needing to downgrade. You guys are needing to upgrade. We pulled up to the house and I was like, ha. Huh. We're not, don't get your, we can't afford this house. Like there's no way. And long story short, they were like, hey, why don't you just rent our house this coming year for what your payment was? I was like, um, do you know what our payment was? It's like, no way. And they let us do that. They bought our house. And then the next year rolled around and they were like, what's your best offer? And we said, listen, we don't even want to offer you this. Like we know what we can get approved from the bank for. And it's going to be very insulting to you. And they were like, sounds great. We'll do it. And I just, I'll never forget that just boom, renting the house, boom, God giving us the house. And we really felt in that moment in in the bedroom that we legit surrendered. You understand what I'm saying? Like we were like, okay, we're going to make plans. Like the crib's going to go here. Okay, this is where we're going to be and it's going to be okay. And it's always like, that's where God wants you to be. He's like, okay, good. I wanted to get you there so I could provide for you. It's just, it was incredible. It was incredible. Where you are first. Yes, yes. How about you, Haley? You seen that provision in your life? Yeah, I think it's a lot of 
conversations. Like when I think about it, like I have anxiety before a lot of conversations, especially like I don't yeah. enjoy upsetting people. Sure. And I definitely had some long term conflict with a family member. Yeah. And just eating me up sure. to the point of like vomiting daily. Yeah. Like eating me up. And it was just like, Haley, just do it. Mm. Like have the conversation. I promise. Mm. Like I'm going to like. I'm here. The obedient aspect of it is always really hard for me yeah. because you you know it's always on the other side of obedience. It's like yeah. I want to peek around. Sure. Like just know that you're at least. Can I get gonna, a preview yeah. of after yeah. obedience, please? Or that's not like a trick cliff, and it's like da da. Sure. You're falling. I don't know. And just like the peace that happened after that conversation. Like, I have so many of those yeah, that that's good. I should have, you know, just like, oh, well, this is going to work out. And yet I still carry the anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I like that you're giving God credit for that, because I think for our listeners, that's a big deal yeah. to be anxious about even a conversation. But to think that God's provision isn't just material, it isn't just this, that or the other, but like God's provision is also seen in having a tough conversation in something as well. That's it's huge, man. You know, I said, I told one of my favorite stories ever. It's just like a Paul Harvey story. And it comes from Walter Isaacson's uh, biography on Albert Einstein. And this young girl, Adeline DeLong, fun fact, Albert Einstein was known for helping kids with their homework multiple times. Love that. Yeah. But Adeline was a neighbor. She was struggling. She thought, I, my neighbor, I think, is a teacher. I'm going to take fudge <laughs> over, knocks on the door. Can you help me? Albert Einstein helps her, asks for an extra piece of fudge. Her mom gets home, and she's like, Mom, I'm done with my homework. The neighbor man helped me. Her mom is just so in shock, like I embarrassed because their neighbor was Albert Einstein. And I said, Jesus says in Matthew 18, Truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's, think about it, utterly dependent, yeah. totally trusting. And we have a big God that cares about small things. And Adeline went next door. That's a big guy. Yeah. That's a smart guy. You know, he probably had to stop solving the equation of the universe um, to help her <laughs> with her homework, but he did. So through all of this, has there been any perspective changes for you guys when it comes to these Kairos moments that there's really not such thing as a big one or a small one? There's different types, yeah. I think for sure. But all of these things God desires that we bring and, and lay before him. So has that looked different for you? Has there been a perspective change? What does that look like? I think it's definitely been important to hear like this one right after the brick wall. Sure. Yeah. You get, because I think it's like, we think, of, like, I think I straight up asked you, I was like, how many of these should we be having? Yeah, Are they right. all going to be brick yeah. wall? Are they all sure. going to be, you know, and just um, like the frequency of them and being, being aware of all that God is doing and that it doesn't have to necessarily be bad or it doesn't have to be good yeah. and that God is always present and working and that we have to wake up. Yes. Like, yes. And I think that is a perspective change of just like what is a defining moment yeah. of 
it can be anything. It can happen at any time. It doesn't have to be significant to other people. Sure. I mean, we were just talking in staff, and it's like, this is not going to affect our whole church, but this is going to affect how I now do relationship with other people, which will affect discipleship down the road. For I mean, like, you don't even understand sometimes that you're in a turning point until you, like, have these. And so, I don't know, like, I think it's, it's nice knowing that they're not always like, I got the job. Sure. Yeah. Or That's like, good. you know, just yeah. like. It can be, I got a text. Yeah. Yeah. It can be anything like that. Just steady throughout your life. Like God is working and doing, and they're not always going to be these mountaintop moments, but yeah. they are there. That's good. That's really good. Nick, anything from you? I think Haley is absolutely right in the awareness. Mm. When you are sitting here and you stop and you pause and you think about what are some of those Kairos moments, we can all list the big things easily. Easily you can think of the birth of a child or a tragic event or whatever, those brick walls, even the speed bumps and mirrors. Sure. But I think those smiles, knowing that it is valued. And I think that does when we're talking about the quality of our life. Yeah. Those big events are are big and, and meaningful and purposeful, but life is made up in those little moments. It's good. It's yeah. in the, hey, baby, I know you've got a stomach virus and it's going to go away and we're going to pray for God to heal your body. Yeah. Those aren't huge. Yeah, those right. Aren't, those are just, it's in the, in the grunt work, in That's the good. thick of it all, yeah. that God is always present and with us. And I love that this sermon series of these defining moments are making us more aware. Yeah, I was going to say, you said a word that was really important, which is aware. And, yeah. and we said at the beginning of this series, the question is not, will God show up? The question is, will we wake up? Yeah. God is always present and at work in our lives. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, from a brick wall to a smile, we have a big God that cares about small things for sure, which is good. Guys, I'm really excited. We're, we're going to be bringing this series to a close here shortly, and I'm really excited for our Fall Vision series, man. We've got some cool stuff to show yeah. you guys. Um, we're going to be in John 13 through John 17, like all the way up to Christmas. It's the Upper Room Discourse. We've got some really cool things we're going to bring towards you. We're, we're looking at... What is it to be a disciple of Jesus, and what are the marks of an upper room person? And in John 13 through 17, Jesus teaches, I mean, these are the guys. He leaves it with these guys. And um, what are some marks and some things like that? So we've got that coming down the road. This Sunday, Family Worship Sunday. That's right. Miss Nikki's going to be leading us and our kids side kids in there in the worship service. So fun. We will be also kids side. Yeah. Summer at kids side is officially over this week. Wait. There it is. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, right. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, um, if you're listening and you're a kids side regular attender or the parent of a kids side regular attender, um, please be patient with us in September. We will be dividing back into our classrooms for more age-appropriate curriculum. Yeah. Uh, September is going to have us in Moses, so I'm super pumped for that. That's and awesome. the kids are back in school, getting back in the routine yep. of things. So I love that we're splitting back out into our middles 
littles, and bigs. Yeah, man, it's good stuff. If you're listening to this on the day that it dropped, which is a Wednesday, if you're a Covenant member, remember we've got our year-end business meeting where we look back and see God's provision on the church Mm -hmm. and then uh, what we're looking at for the future on some of this stuff. So, hey, guys, if you have any questions, remember, you can send it in at info at westsidepb.org. We would love to hear from you. You can go to our website at westsidepb.org. You can check out past sermons, ton of information. You can even hook up your online giving where you give us $10,000 a month directly out of your bank account. That's all set up on there. So we love you guys and never forget that it is all about Jesus. Peace. Peace.